0: during the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. project.ca for more information. Today's
1: episode of The DNA Airwaves is brought to you by The DNA Project, your entertainment agency. Please visit the dnaproject.ca for more details. It's also brought to you by the MPL, Toronto's modular film and audio studio. Please check out the-mpl.com for more details. This is the DNA Airwaves. Hello, bonjour and wagwan everyone. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the DNA Airwaves. My name is Dariki. I'm here with my co-host Anthony Lewis. How are you doing today, sir? Hey, good. Good. How are you doing, Dariki? Not bad, man. Not bad. Um, Today, we're actually joined by Keziah Myers, who works um, for SoCan, I believe, uh, under the music licensing department. You'll have to forgive me if if I got that wrong. But um, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us.
2: No problem, no problem. Thanks, Tariki. Thanks, Anthony. I do work for Soken and Resound, so just a clarification there. I am uh, working in the licensing, as you said, and I'm looking forward to the interview.
0: Thank you so much. Yeah, we are glad to have you. Thanks for joining us. Um, so this is funny. I, I did want to just kind of touch on um, something here, because I know that you've worked with a lot of artists, Sometimes we start at the beginning, but I I wanted to kind of start in the middle here because I know you've worked with people like Drake and Maroon 5 and Kim Davis and this whole long list. Um, But just actually in speaking with you today before we got on the call, I learned that you are also an accomplished musician yourself. So could you just give us a little bit of your background as a musician?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, accomplished is use uh, a word used loosely, uh, given the <laughs> fact that it's been a few years. <laughs> um, but in terms of credentials, yeah, one would say accomplished. I actually started playing the piano at the age of three through Royal Conservatory of Music, and I went all the way up and did my grade 10 piano. Um, And along the way, I picked up other instruments, as one does, especially going through the school system. So when I was in grade three, I started playing the flute, and then grade seven, so I was about 12 or 13 at that age, I played the violin, and I played those, you know, both of them. I played continuously all the way up until I graduated high school. And then uh, once I got into high school, I had already been trained in some capacity in vocal. But I was able to take part in some really cool productions when I reached high school in the vocal category. And at that point, I was part of their auditioned choir, which was a very small choir and performed at the Roy Thompson Hall. And then I went on to singing in a number of different classical and jazz scenarios with vocal being the primary uh, the primary instrument of use. And then when I finished piano, I continued to p- play. I still play. Again, like I said, is used loosely, but I can read music and I can play using chord charts. But uh, but vocal has actually become my primary instrument. If, uh, if anybody uh, needs vocals, that's usually what I'm called upon for, whether it be for harmonies or singing at events. I, I tend to be... Uh, tend to be beckoned on <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. for, for my vocal abilities at this point.
1: When's the last time you were beckoned? Sorry, I don't um, know why. No, the last <laughs> time <laughs> I
2: was beckoned, about like last week. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, I was It was to sing happy birthday to someone, and uh, prior to that, weddings, events. Okay, right. Yeah. Oh, That's and awesome. I And I will let you know, I don't promote that I sing. So it's not like people, it's not like I'm the one who is going out as a musical artist saying, Hey, hire me. No, no. They right. hear me once. Oh, wait, we can get Kezia to do this. Sure. <laughs> <Incredible>. <laughs>
0: I'll do it. Yeah, you, you definitely don't promote that. Cause I've known you for quite some time yeah. years ago and I didn't, I've learned a lot about you already in this conversation as yep. far as that part of your music background. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's how how do you jump from being a musician to where I met you, which is behind the scenes and really making it happen for other artists?
2: So you know, I I really looked at what I wanted to do career-wise, but my career started out with a big question mark, and I went to university in in my day, my parents were like, that's not really a choice, so yeah. university is where you're going to go, so figure it out when you get there. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> upon being accepted, I was accepted to Wilfrid Laurier University, and I entered into an arts program. Now, the arts program I entered into was film studies, but the only reason that I entered into that program was because that was the closest thing I could find to being in the arts administration side of the industry rather than being on the performance side of the industry. Um, And in the household that I was brought up in, music was, you know, music... Ranged from top to bottom, corner to corner. Music can be heard anywhere and sung by anybody. But it was never promoted as a viable career option. Sure. And again, I also was classically trained. So I was never on the creative side of music. I, I play what people write and I love to do so. But I was really, really never on the creative side. So when I got into university, I met up with a guy named J.D. Era. And it was by sheer coincidence, we were friends, he played basketball, I played football. This was, you know, nothing to do with music. And then I realized that he was in music and he actually asked me to start helping him on the marketing of what at that time was a lot of opening slots that were coming into Waterloo because we were in university. So I remember the first scenario where I was asked to create marketing content for his opening up for Nas. And so I did that in the form of tickets. I put his logos on it. I just got creative. And Mm -hmm. once that... Uh, Once I had that experience, he and I became really close friends. He was at that time mentoring Drake and um, teaching him how to, or, yeah, mentoring him on how to flow through rap. He was working with Boy Wonder. He was working with everybody at the time. And because we became close friends, we also were hanging out in the same peer group. So slowly, but surely, all of the others, Rich Kid, Kim Davis, Bishop Burganti, Ken Masters, all of these guys were living, well, not living, they were coming to Waterloo, but we were living in the house and they were just coming to hang out. So I was Um. surrounded by all of these really talented people and a lot of them were asking hey I want a grant how do you do this and so I would just at that point take my opportunity to learn about the grant system in Canada learn about the marketing in music learn about all of these different facets within the industry Mm -hmm. and that's really where I opened my eyes to a career that was in the music industry without being a performer. And my goal from then until this very moment was always to help. If I can help and if I can learn and if I can help you get to where you need to be, then I'm going to do that. Because if we work and play to our strengths, I have the business administration, you have the talent and creative, us together are going to make nothing but success.
1: For sure. That makes perfect sense. It's crazy that JD Arrow is the one that found you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: It's crazy.
1: Well, when's the last time you spoke to him? <laughs>
2: um a week or two ago maybe?
1: Oh, okay, okay. Like we've yeah.
2: we've maintained a I okay, I, I went to see he just toured um and he I I saw him at that show and then he's come to visit at Sokan. He was at my wedding like we are, we are brother and sister. Him, Johnny Rocks, we all lived together actually.
0: Oh, okay, okay. That's mm-hmm. dope. It's wow, incredible. So, yes, yeah, so, I mean, you've had a, it, yeah, I'm so interested in your story just because you have seem to have you made so many connections and played a role in, not only in so many um, careers, different artists, but also different aspects of the industry. Um, I want to talk a little bit about one of the areas that seems to be a bit of a mysterious zone for a lot of artists that I've come in contact with. Mm -hmm. And that's just the whole, well, the whole machine really behind um, putting music out. Mm -hmm. Um, One is obviously getting it out into the world, which is taking a lot of different forms now, but even more so is just the different ways. Of getting paid for the music the artists are creating and releasing um, so I'd love to get a little bit into that um, uh, can you get us maybe started on some of the initial steps there that artists can be yeah, sure. considering and thinking about
2: so as an artist as you mentioned, there are so many different ways to disseminate your music to get it out there. Um, and the reality is, when all of them are working simultaneously, you have the better chance of reaching more people and actually making a name for yourself. And that sounds really daunting because it is. But <laughs> um, you know, there's platforms that I don't even know about. You know, I people are. Sixteen and seventeen years old, and I'm not that age, and they're on a different platform than I'm using. And then there's my parents' age, who might be stuck in the Facebook zone. So, the mm. the ways that I think about releasing music are always in terms of a strategy. Sit down with yourself for a second, and it's going to take you definitely longer than that one second to really think about where you want your music to be heard or platforms where you listen to music. Mm -hmm. And then once you think about the platforms where you consume music, look at the intricacies of that platform. How do I get my music on that platform? And is it enough to put my music on a platform being self-promoted or should I reach out to somebody who may be creating the playlist for that platform? Should I reach out to a DJ who is going to be spinning on a platform that I listen to? So I'll give you an example. Let's take traditional radio, for instance, your favorite station you hear and you hear all the music that's playing on the regular rotation. Well, in order for you to honestly be on regular rotation, you would have to have either an in or a radio promoter because otherwise you're not going to end up on their regular rotation. However, the way to get in there without being on the regular rotation is by reaching out to that DJ, a DJ that plays any spin block within the day, and reach out to them and try and build that relationship with them. People like DJ Jester, or Ricochet is good, who he doesn't necessarily spin as a set, but he does have a platform for new artists. Um, right. People like starting from scratch, if you reach out to these people and you send them a song, what they can do is they can use that song and the platform that they have, like traditional radio, as their testing ground. So when they're doing their mix, they can throw your song into the mix. If it's well-received both by them and by the people who are listening, you have more. there's more of an opportunity for you to end up on that regular rotation. Got it. So that's that's one example. You know, of course, there is Spotify. Spotify is a similar method. You know, yes, you're going to put your music on Spotify, self-promoted. But if you can find people within the industry who know others who are making playlists, Than like Erin Ashley, for instance, she does playlists for YouTube with her doing playlists for YouTube on R&B or Amanda Paris over at CBC, building relationships with these people that are genuine because nothing is worse than an ingenuine connection within the music industry because we can see right right through it. But if you're really there about let's collaborate, let's care, this is what I'm trying to do, can you assist and be patient because we are all busy yeah. then take that time and build that relationship and over time not only are you on a platform like cbc or youtube music but now you've you've built in a relationship and have an ally someone who's going to vouch for you on their platform right so that's what i think i think really strategically high level drill it down to what i really need to do and yes it's lots of work I'm not going yeah, to um, yeah. but if we, but if we think about it like, this is my brand, this is my career path, this is my business, then you yeah. operate it like a business.
0: Wow, well, yeah, that is um, yeah, that's definitely some good information for I mean, artists at all different levels. And yes, building uh, relationships wow. that are sincere and genuine is definitely a key. Um, and I'm sure we could go on long about that because then we can yeah. talk about how you even reach some of these people and yeah. uh, yep. who to look for. I'm not going to get too much into that because I think there are some other things that we can cover that are just as or more important just mm-hmm. as far as the knowledge that's needed. So we can kind of, um, I'm sure we can touch on relationship building at another time. But for now, there's some questions that I have. So I know that other people are going to have them as well. Um Now, I've heard of these three sort of distinctions or management um, over recorded work, and I don't know if they're distinctions really or categories, but we have, for example, the songwriter, we have the publisher, and then administration. And they're terms that kind of come up a lot. I don't know that people necessarily understand um, what the role of each or where they might even fit into each or what they need to be doing. Can you kind of give us an overview of those three?
2: Of course. So a songwriter is a songwriter and I'm actually going to change that if I can to a creator because a okay. songwriter is typically thought of as a person who writes the lyrics. However, yes. just as important is the producer. Okay. Um, so if we say creator, that's anybody who's part of the creative process that intellectual property. I have an idea within your head that you put on a piece of paper in the form of lyrics or you lay down in the studio in the form of production. These are what creators are and those creators are Part of you know are the base of any song that you hear. Even if they are not the artist that's singing it, there's a songwriter behind that artist. You know, Rihanna is a good example. You know, she's not in the one who's writing most of her music. She right. has a songwriting team, many of which of that team comes from Canada, and these songwriters are paid through royalties because their copyright or their intellectual property is licensed. And they are receiving a royalty from it. So that's a creator, that's a songwriter or producer, or anybody who takes part in the initial the initial creation of that song. Gotcha. Um, and then you have a publisher. So the areas where you hear the word publisher often would be, again, in that songwriting or creator circle. And the publisher is actually your representation. It is the similar scenario to having a recording artist and a record label. This representation of the publisher is the one who takes care of your catalog, everything that you're writing, and recognizes that in order for you to get paid for your writing, somebody else has to release this song. So if I write a song or I produce a song and I am represented by a publisher, then that publisher is my management essentially and says, oh, you know what? Beyoncé is releasing an album. Ed Sheeran is releasing an album. Can we have this song? They would pitch your song to these particular artists, and once the artist records that song, again, now we've activated a royalty that you're going to get paid for. Mm. So that's where the publisher comes in. Now, many people who are new to songwriting or they are not as established as some others would prefer to be self-published because you don't need a publisher if you have connections or you are working with your local community or you're writing for your church. You don't need a publisher in those cases, but a publisher, as you have more to handle, more on your plate, more demand, a publisher becomes beneficial because they're able to take that over. Now, publishers, of course, will have their own cut and when it comes to administration, as you specified, um, we have companies like SOCAN, which is a performing rights organization, and they have members at SOCAN, and those members include publishers. So when a publisher is thinking about signing you, they also recognize they're going to get paid from your creative and intellectual property. That amount amounts to about 50%. Wow. So okay. if yeah, so if we look at a song, a song in total in Canada, and I'm only going to speak to Canadian royalties and copyright because the the states is a little bit different, and I don't want people to be confused. But in Canada, you have a whole, and the whole is a hundred percent. That is a song. Now, if you have a songwriter and a producer, so one producer, one songwriter, then we're going to say that of that song. will go to the songwriter, and 50% of the royalty will go to the producer. If both are represented by publishers, then 50% of that intellectual property still goes to either, but the publisher takes 50% of each half. So if if songwriter... Is represented by a publisher. Yes, technically on paper, they wrote the lyrics. However, the publisher is going to take half of their earnings. So when it really looks, uh, when we look at the royalty distribution, you'll see publisher A with songwriter, publisher A will get 25%. Songwriter will get 25%. Then we'll see publisher B, who represents the producer, gets 25%. And producer gets 25%. Wow. Okay. Does
0: that make sense? Yeah. That does make sense, yeah.
2: It it does get a little bit confusing, especially because this is not a visual platform. So, you know, there's no pie to cut up. But um, yes, your your publisher does uh, typically take 50%. Wow.
0: Okay. Um, and now I just want to just expand on that a little bit. Um, so now we have these different platforms. I think you mentioned one of them earlier, Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'm just really trying to see and hopefully you can highlight the difference between going through one of these online platforms versus traditional radio. Are there some major differences as far as payouts go? in
2: terms of payouts, i mean i'm hoping I truly am hoping to see a change in terms of payouts because right now, as it's licensed the the music platforms online, as far as I'm concerned, are not being um are not responsible for enough in terms of their license fees and streaming is becoming the way of listening but yet the streaming services aren't paying as high of a percentage of license fees as would seem would seem applicable Um, given that again that platform is being so widely used. Um, At this current moment 2.99% of a music services platform is what they pay. So their annual revenue, 2.99% of that annual revenue in Canada is taken as their license fee. So they pay that to SOCAN. So can then it takes that 2.99% and it's distributed amongst all of the songwriters and composers and producers that have taken part in anything on Spotify as a platform. So that's, that's the about 3%. Whereas if you're looking at the platform itself, Spotify is making a lot of money. So, so
1: they're making 97%? How did they get away with that? Like, I mean, it's crippling the create. I'm really sorry to jump in.
2: No, no, go ahead.
1: But (laughs) but it sounds to me that they're really crippling a revenue stream for artists that desperately depend on, you know, that type of royalty or money coming in. Where did they come up with that number? Why is it so low? Do you have any insight on that?
2: I do. Uh, the number is actually not created by the, those platforms. However, it is argued by those platforms and you can have a debate legally when uh, the Copyright Board of Canada sets a rate. So basically what happens is the Copyright Board of Canada sets a rate where, whenever that was. Um, and it does predate me being in the copyright world, but that rate was set. And then once the rate is set, they can appeal basically and go to court and say, we don't think that we should be paying more than 2.99%, or it may have been at 1.29%, and they, and SOCAN would say, well, let's get it to 5%, and they meet somewhere in the middle. So right. there is a, a conversation, and it is mandated by the Copyright Board of Canada, which actually ends up being the one with the gavel to say this is what is set. Um, now, what SOCAN does is they have what we call agreements, and in those agreements, we are able to change that percentage, but if when I say change the percentage, it has to be on par with what the Copyright Board of Canada has because everybody knows what the Copyright Board of Canada rate is. So it can't be 10% when Copyright Board is 2.99%.
1: Right.
2: Right? Um, It is crippling. It will be really nice to see um, a change, especially during COVID-19, where the dependency of music for both the livelihood of creators and the listener is both on this same platform. Mm Mm-hmm so it, it it will be great to see that increase but i digress i'm not the copyright board of canada and i can only you know really vouch for and be an advocate for those creators and that's right. what i do um but when it comes to so your payouts are actually going to be smaller when looking at a platform like spotify and per spin on spotify the average spin is about 0.0084 oh. cents. So it's less than a cent. That's
1: 80% painful. of a penny, wow. That's of a penny, yes. wow.
2: Now, the reason being is because this is what actually happens. So you have that license fee that I talked about at the beginning, but then you also have the total number of spins. And you have to understand that if they are... Paying a license fee, that license fee has to be divided by the millions, hundreds right. of millions of spins on their platform. Right. So that's why it becomes so small. And then that unit is used to apply that 0.0084 per spin to to every single artist. So if you're an artist with 5,000 spins, then you're going to get the unit price of 0.0084 times 5,000 because mm-hmm. we do have to accommodate the weekend who has 200 right. million spins. I going to ask.
1: Yeah, because right? they contribute to the daily spin number, like significantly
2: as opposed exactly. to the artist. Like so eight. that's why you have to take that. You have to do that calculation. Total, total number paid, Divided by total number of spins gives you your unit. Unit price times spins per artist gives you your royalty.
0: Okay. Wow. That's that's helpful. Wow.
2: Yeah. So it, it really does manage expectations. And I do pride myself in being totally transparent and managing expectations because, as you said, I've worked with so many people in this industry, some who are like leading the industry in terms of their clout and their success, but some who are just starting. And right. I don't ever want someone who's just starting to think that they're going to be in a position that is blown out of proportion because of what they see on TV or what they hear or, you know, what they hear in terms of royalties. Right. Yeah.
1: So what, do you, what do you think is, is like the biggest mistake that artists make or new artists make um, just j- off the jump, do you think that they should wait or hold off on putting their stuff up on streaming services? Or do you think that's fine? Any traction is good traction when you're starting.
2: I would say any traction is good traction because like I said, if all of these platforms have your music on them simultaneously, it gives mm-hmm. people an a place to go. As long as you're not paying for, for putting your music on a particular platform, but it doesn't hurt to have all of your music on all these platforms because once you're on all of these platforms, you can direct anybody you're talking to, to any one of these platforms. Mm -hmm. Plus take into account your traditional radio, which still is one of the most actively used platforms for Mm -hmm. people, even though Spotify and Apple music and YouTube music exist. Right. Right. So if you can uh, do everything all at once and sometimes people ask, well, what should I do? Should I focus on my live performance? Should I focus on connections? Should I focus on the, you know, disseminating, disseminating my music through these audio platforms? The answer is do it all. Okay. Do it all. Because when you do it all, you also build a story that is Cohesive with everything you have online,
1: right, and right.
2: it doesn't necessarily spend more mean spending more money because i you know, yes, you could do a music video, but I would say instead of doing a music video, put your song on platforms, do live, and make those connections mm-hmm. right wow. um, and then when you look at traditional radio, I spoke about this earlier. Be creative in how you're going to get onto traditional radio. There is a difference, however, and it's the exact same equation as Spotify, so I'm going to relate it to your traditional radio stations. Mm -hmm. If you listen to a radio station within a particular region, they are only servicing that particular region. So again, you're going to take the license fee divided by that number of people who are particularly listening in that region, and that's going to be your royalty. Mm -hmm. Well, we do have one station in Canada that is national, and that's CBC Radio. Mm -hmm. So CBC Radio pays a lot larger of a license fee, and therefore their royalties are a lot bigger. So let's say you have a regional radio station that's giving you a dollar per spin or just less than a dollar per spin. CBC Radio is typically giving upwards or around $30 per spin. Whoa! Yeah, right? So add that to your strategy and like, boom, I just got all my money back for my recording sessions <laughs> all right,
0: exactly. wow. you've just got a lot of people thinking in a whole new light whole it. New, <laughs> yeah, to it yeah that's
2: incredible <laughs> so what about
1: what about like um radio shows that are syndicated like nationally or internationally do they do they have to pay a different royalty like say like uh I know Seacrest gets on like a bunch of Stations mm-hmm. in Canada. Does that matter, or does that not really? Matter?
2: It does. So, if you if it is syndicated, then so can and Resound. Both perf- your music rights organizations have reciprocal agreements around the world. So, if mm. your song, and this is where you get it international money from um, in your royalty bucket, is if your song is playing in Japan, you may not even know it became a big hit in Japan, but Mm -hmm. the Japanese know, and they know that the song is recorded or written by a Canadian. So that money that's collected in Japan is sent over to Soken and then sent to you via your royalty. So those reciprocal agreements are crucial to making... A lot more money than just domestic. If you are domestic, you're going to make your standard royalties. But the second you you end up being played in an, on another country, then that money actually does come to you through SoCan.
1: And what wow. about um, like, say you get a song on a TV show or a movie? How does that royalty work? And does SoCan work in that space as well?
2: Of course so when you think socan and resound you are thinking anything that is done by a canadian creator which could okay. include composer as to your point okay. um, and that includes so resound different than socan so socan so, so can, just to make the distinction socan is focus on the creators those of us that are writers producers composers for tv Etc. cetera, those who are using their intellectual property. Resound gotcha. is what we call neighboring rights, and they're the ones who take care and, um, and are responsible for representing anybody who is a background musician. So if you are on the recordings and you were played bass in the background or you played drums in the background or you're a background singer, a backup singer, then that's where your stream of royalty is going to come from. Right. Okay. Um, so when it comes to uh, film and television, you know, a name that tops my head is Michael Power. He is done everything from Paw Patrol to um, Hawaii Five O, <laughs> <laughs> and um, he makes all of his living literally just writing anything for TV. And the uh-huh. same applies. So you're still licensed to. The radios and the movies have to acquire a license. That license is for public performance. They also need to require acquire a license for making sure that when movies are played that they have all of the applicable licenses and then those royalties are sent back to the composer or songwriter.
1: Wow. And how does it work for uh, an artist performing at a venue? Because I know... I've sang at bars and like other venues and I haven't had to worry about any of that. Does the venue take care of licensing as far as people publicly performing other people's music?
2: Yes. So the venue, if they are properly licensed and they are um, not operating, um, against the copyright board and the copyright law, then they actually, as a venue, pay a license fee. So let's take your local bar. Your local bar pays a license fee to SoCan, that license fee, and and Resound, actually. And so that license fee is based on the music usage. If you are singing as a live musician, that's one license fee, and that's different, and the rates are different than if you were playing at a concert, for instance. Okay. And then what they do, or what SoCan does, is we have a census that's done by Nielsen, and I'm sure you know of Nielsen. They're the yeah. ones, Billboard Canada, all them, you know, they're the data company. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nielsen actually has sensors that are placed in different metropolis areas to pick up the the most popular music that's playing. So that, and we do a what we call a census over 21 days. We're able to figure out what's the popular 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 music that's playing in this quarter. And then that's how the royalties are disseminated. But if you are doing a concert at a local bar, let's say, or you're doing an event, you've promoted this, this event that you're doing, then it is the responsibility of the creative or the artist, whomever it is that's singing to let us know a, that you performed at a concert so that you get your royalties and b what was on your set list.
1: Wow. Wow. So
2: then you'll get a dir- what we call a direct distribution. And the way that that's done is um you take let's say your the license fee that we receive from the venue is $500 and there were five songs performed throughout that concert, it's a really small concert and there were five songs performed and you wrote, and produced all of them, well, we're that $500 is going to be divided by the five songs, which means $100 per song. And if you wrote and recorded everything and there's no other creative, you get a, that $500. But if each of them has a co-writer or a producer, let's say, then of each song, you get $50 and your producer gets $50.
1: Wow. Huh. I don't think a lot of artists know that. I'm certain that a lot of people
0: do not know <laughs> that. <Probably> <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, that's I've why it's that. so important. <laughs> it is so important to make sure that if you do, whatever, whenever, you're, whenever you are performing, make sure you take note of that and you let SoCan know because we are getting money on the back end. And if mm-hmm. we haven't gotten money, because the only way a royalty is created is if a license fee is paid. So if mm-hmm. we haven't gotten money and I'm noticing this in some areas where venues, whether it be lack of education or trying to go around what they're supposed to do. If I hear from you that you've performed at a venue that hasn't paid me a license fee, well, my job then is to go and get that license fee for you.
1: Wow.
0: Wow. I have wow. no idea. This is incredible. Yeah, this is. Uh, yeah, for everyone listening, this has definitely been one of our most informative, co- informative <laughs> conversations. Sure. Um, I'm learning a lot. Um, I don't want to be selfish. I have a couple more questions. These are yeah, things first. I want to know. I'm sure that they will apply to everybody that's listening. Um, and then we will we'll move on from there. We'll have you tell us just a little bit more about. Um, so can, and uh, we'll let you go. But okay. I have some terms here. I know they have they can be pretty confusing. I don't know if you can give us a, a full breakdown or just a little bit of insight on maybe at least which ones are important for artists to be familiar with. Um, yeah. So I'll give you a couple. Uh, distribution, derivatives, public display, Reprodu- reproduction, and digital transmission. Those are all terms that I've kind of had floating around. I've heard a lot come up. I don't know that most people have a solid foundation or even know if w- which of these are important for them to have to understand or what they, how they should be looking at these different areas. Can you help us with that?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, okay, so because I don't have a great memory. Can we go one by one? No, <laughs> and, uh, like he is going way too fast. <laughs> I know the first one was di- di- uh, distribution and the second one was derivative. Yeah. There you go. That shows you my memory. <laughs> um, okay. So distribution, um, distribution is a, Well, it can happen in different contexts, but I'm going to talk in the context of royalties. Distribution means that you are receiving a royalty. So when there is a distribution, that simply means that it is the time that you are going to receive your royalties, the quarter where you're going to receive a lump sum of money, which can amount to this, the amount of a Starbucks coffee or it can amount to the amount of a new house, depending on where you are on the spectrum. Right. Um, but it's payday. That's okay. the distribution.
0: Okay. Okay. Um. Oh, so, when, oh,
1: so when someone says they have a distribution deal, what does that actually mean then?
2: Okay, so different context. So a distribution okay. deal in that context is if you are working with a label, the mm-hmm. label says we have a distribution deal for you and, or you've signed a distribution deal. That distribution deal just means that they, they as the label, are on your behalf going to distribute your music.
1: Uh, Okay, okay.
2: So, a distribution deal is a very scaled-back version of a label deal, or what one would consider the traditional deal. The distribution deal is saying, I'm going to be your distribution platform. I'm going to be your CD baby or catapult. And I'm going to make sure as a label to get all of your music out to all of the platforms that we discussed earlier so that everybody can hear your music. It can or cannot include more. It depends on that deal. So you know, note to self: always read your legalese. Have a lawyer look it over. Have an entertainment look it o- entertainment lawyer look it over, because it can include things like YouTube promos and it can also not include YouTube promos, but the label may say to you, Hey, would you like a YouTube promo? And you say yes, because you have a distribution deal because you think you have a deal with the label, which you do, but then you get a bill for $5,000. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, uh, I thought it was part of my distribution. Now nah, I wasn't part of your distribution deal. Um, <laughs> wow. Read the wow. fine print, read it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> you guys are getting gems today. This is, this is amazing. I um, yeah, you know what? I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I feel like there's so much that artists need to know from you. I hope that we can work something out either to have you back or to have you back and to maybe work on some sort of a workshop or something. Because this yeah. is important stuff. This
2: no, is... I love it.
1: You're
0: dropping gems all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it.
2: I've been, uh, I've been a huge advocate of workshops and disseminating this information to those who don't know because... Mm-hmm it becomes a little bit unfair and the unfair advantage is given to those who are in positions where they've given, been given these nuggets. And so they right. move throughout the industry a little bit differently than the person yeah. who has no idea that, you know, even things like grants exist. I was talking to someone yesterday and she was like, what They're grants. I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Like, wow.
2: I know people in this industry who are very well known, very successful, But most of their money has come from Canadian grant money, which is phenomenal. Like, not knocking it at all, which means it's a huge resource for you. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. I'm talking to someone who's saying, I've used, like, all of my money, every penny. And I'm like... Why? (laughs) Yeah. Check out (laughs) factor.ca. You know? Yeah. So I... Yes, okay. definitely. Workshop, yes. Um, you know, yeah, I do that's, that's I do cool. strategy sessions, yes. You know, anything to help because I also have heard the other side, yes, I've worked with some very successful people, but I've heard the other side of horror stories where you are leaving Universal Music or whatever label, Warner, Sony, and you're leaving with an owing balance
1: yeah.
0: of
2: upwards of 10000 or
0: $15,000. Oh my gosh.
2: Mm-hmm. which means at that point you, they will time. not resign you obviously until right. you clear
0: up your balance wow. yikes yeah oh man okay so I mean I mentioned some other points I don't want to keep you too long maybe if we could just touch on one of them maybe okay. I'll, I'm going to just read them out again from my notes here and you can let me know maybe which is the most uh, important you think to leave people okay. with um, so we had derivatives public display, reproduction, and digital transmission.
2: Okay, so I'm going to talk to reproduction because I think it's sometimes a little bit confusing. And digital transmission, can you tell me in what context?
0: Um, let me see. Uh, so uh, I think it was just in terms of um, just a like putting music on the internet. Different okay, okay. On the internet, yeah.
2: Okay, so we kind of talked about that already, um, so I won't talk about that. But, you know, digital, digital, digital transmission is exactly that. You know, it's taking your files and putting them out to the world through via the Internet. Okay. Um, and you can choose based on your strategy how you want to do it and how you want to how you want that to look just be aware of the platform that you're using recognize that all platforms are different so you know if we're talking about not only the music but your brand because your your brand is what sells that music well if you're looking at Facebook Facebook is a different platform than Instagram so when you take your Instagram and you, write a small bit about, you know, just maybe a statement about the picture or the video or whatever you've put on that platform, that shouldn't be put on Facebook because those the people who are receiving the information from Facebook are different in terms of what they're looking for. So if I was to put something, an example would be if I was to put something on Instagram and it says, check out my new song. Then okay. that's Instagram. Because it's short, it's sweet, it's Instagram is a more instantaneous platform. Mm-hmm. Facebook, however, if you wanted to, you could tell more of a story. I'm putting out my new song, really hope you enjoy it. This is these are the people who were involved. This is my inspiration. People are more likely to read that on Facebook than they are Instagram.
1: That makes sense. Wow,
0: okay, yeah, yeah. That does, yes.
1: I think artists, every artist should probably, before they even decide on what they do, and I know a lot of artists don't do this, but you have opened my eyes and I hope it's opened artists' eyes before you even go on the internet to send on any platform. You really need to sit down and strategize yeah. the same way yeah. you would with a business. You are the business. You're not a businessman. You're a business man.
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 like
1: are right. We're
2: born on the same day. Just saying, just saying.
1: Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Greatness. But, um, yep. Greatness. <laughs> I think, I think that more people need, need people like you in their ear, because I mean, in the 45 minutes that I've talked to you, I've learned more and you know, than I have in the last 10 years. And I think a lot of artists have no idea what they're doing. And they think if they just throw it up, you know, yeah. Drake's manager's going to hear them and the rest is yeah. history and it yeah. never works that way. And so I, I know I cut everybody off, but I just wanted to to let artists know that, you know, you gotta have that plan. You really, really, really gotta think about it. It's not as simple or whimsical as just putting it up on a platform and hoping people are gonna catch it. So I mean I just appreciate your nuggets already and I hope we can speak some more because I know I personally have benefited and I know our viewers, our listeners would we'll definitely get a ton more nuggets. So thank you so much for this. It was really, really awesome. Yeah, no this
0: problem. Has been Thanks. absolutely incredible. Um, so we definitely need to continue this conversation. I, as you know, we work with a lot of artists ourselves, um, mm-hmm. and there's definitely some information that I feel is important that I should be getting out to artists and helping on um, as far as I can on, on certain topics here. But we definitely want artists to know where to go to so if you could leave us and our listeners with just a word of inspiration as far as you know maybe some of the next steps that people should be really considering i know you've touched on some of that already and then also just as important if you could just drop them a little bit of information on um so can what they need to know about that mm-hmm
2: mm-hmm uh okay, well I mean inspiration. This this is these are these are big big shoes to fill. Like I'm definitely not um as eloquent as I would like to be all the time. But my worried? words of inspiration <laughs> My words of inspiration, honestly guys, just don't stop. Uh mm-hmm. you know, like stop. understand that you are a business, you're a brand, you're beautiful in what you are doing, and don't stop. Give yourself the confidence and the um, the the chance to succeed. And if you do need help, ask. Right.
1: And I think wow. a lot of people's pride stops them from doing that simple thing. Yes, ask. it does. Okay. Um, wow.
2: And if you do need to ask, I mean, I can always be reached. Like, I am... I, I'm always willing to help. So, if you want to reach me at Instagram, it's that.myerskezia. If you want to reach me on LinkedIn, you can find me at Kezia Myers. Um, those are platforms where you can, you can find me and I may take a little bit of time to get back to you, but I'll get back to you.
0: It'll be worth the wait. <laughs> yeah,
2: <definitely>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we, we, we have to thank you so much. I mean, yeah, incredible. my mind is blown. This is such an important conversation. Um, and so much useful information for us and all of the listeners for sure. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And we just can't wait to sit down and talk again.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you guys. It's been a pleasure.
1: As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit DNAairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial.